This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Alexander City, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. But Ron talked about um, King David and he talked about what had been prepared in his life, what God had done in his life. Because it's important because we're talking about the tabernacle of David. And you can't talk about the tabernacle of David without talking about David. He was the one that built the tabernacle. He was the one that had the heart to have, David, have God's presence right there where he was. So we had to talk about David. And, and you had to get an understanding of the process of what, da- what God was doing in David's life, preparing him preparing him for this time when he would have the tabernacle of David there in Jerusalem with him. And we're going to continue tonight to talk about a little bit about that preparation. And God was showing me something. So as God prepared, this is what God was showing me as I've been studying this week. As God prepared and trained David, so he has been doing the same here at Passion Church. The same process that has been going on that we've been studying about in David's life. He's been doing that same process the last several years here at Passion Church. Would you say amen to that? Hallelujah. As many, as we have seen, many people over the last two or three years have come and declared words over this house. Many have come and spoken words over this body. Brother Danny came and he spoke 913, Amos 913. Back in 2014 or 2013, whatever year that was, in April. Jerry Williamson came and he spoke, God's glory is rising on us to draw others. You know, that's the purpose of God's glory anywhere is to draw those that need to be drawn to that glory, to draw those that need to come to know God and know Him and know what He's about, to have that relationship. That's the purpose of the glory of God. Brother Jerry said that glory of God was rising here for the purpose of drawing others. Praise the Lord. And pastor this year. Woo, pastors this year have really been been on it. If y'all missed it, you need to get some CDs so you get caught up to speed. You know, we we just, we're, we're we're through half of this year. We're through half of this year. You need to be catching up. If you haven't got it all, you need to be catching up so you don't miss a thing. It's important, pastor's been telling, this is a super shemika year. It's an important thing to know what God is doing in this place, what he's preparing us for. Hallelujah, hallelujah. He said it was a year of extremes. Anybody had some extremes in their life? And I love this. It was a year of advantaging and advancing. It's not a year for you to sit on your laurels and stay right where you are. Because how many of you know you never stay where you are? You're either moving backwards or you're moving forwards. He also, and, and, he, and he said it was a year of moving forward. It was a year to go forward to the next thing that God is doing. Praise God. He said there would be no more delay. Woo! I'm ready for there's no more delay. Hallelujah. He said that we were going to be marked with favor and grace. Marked with favor and grace. What a mighty, 
Uh, I mean, everybody wants to be marked with favor and grace. But it comes with responsibility. It comes with uh, an uh, intentional purpose. You don't get the favor and the grace of God just for nothing. It has purpose behind it. And pastor's been saying the purpose is for the people that are going to be in these chairs. The purpose is not just so that you can walk in the blessing and the favor of God just for you for and no more. The purpose is for the other people that God died for. The purpose is for the other people to come into the knowledge of who he is and what he's done in their lives. Hallelujah. God has been speaking over us and getting us into position. He's been telling us these things, getting us into position, getting us ready. We've heard that. Get ready, get ready, get ready, hadn't we? We've been hearing that. Get ready, get ready, get ready. God's going to do something. God's getting ready to do something. Well, I'm telling you what, God's getting ready to do something. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Even as in David's time, even as in David's time, God was preparing a people. He had a people, but you know what? They weren't prepared. God was working in their lives. God, God found himself a king, found himself a man who he said in Acts, when, when he was referring back to David, this man has done all of my will. Whew. What's something to be said about you? Not He was a man after God's own heart, and he did all the will of God. No wonder he was, he set up God's favorite house. Thank you, Jesus. He's preparing that in us. Can you feel the winds? Can you, I mean, have you been here the last several Sundays and felt the winds of God blowing? Felt the winds of the change? Felt the winds of the new thing that God is wanting to do? Not just individually, but corporately among the people and in this house. The winds are blowing. The winds of God's Shekinah glory are blowing on us. Are you ready? Hallelujah. He's preparing us. He's preparing us. When we have read many times, going to read it again. Amos chapter 9. Because that's our, that was the scripture that started all this. That was the word that started all this. And it was actually 9 verse 13 that started all this. Now, y'all remember, and I, I don't have the message. I'm, Sonia, could you put up the message in that? Yes, indeed, it won't be long now. God's decree. How many of y'all know that God's timing is not our timing? Even though this has been a couple of years ago that this was said, God's timing is not our timing. You've got to be prepared and ready. If you ain't ready, you ain't going to know what to do with it when it happens. Yes, indeed, it won't be long now. God's decree, things are going to happen so fast your head will swim. One thing fast on the heels of the other. You won't be able to keep up. Everything will be happening at once. And everywhere you look, blessings, favor and grace. Everywhere you look, blessings like wine pouring off the mountains and the hills. Now, two verses back from that is the prerequisite to this. This don't happen unless 9-11 happens. This ain't going to happen unless 9-11 happens. 
Now let's read 9-11. I don't know what it says in the message, so I got it in the amp here. But also on that judgment day, I will restore David's house that has fallen to pieces, or David's tabernacle. Same difference. Could say David's tent, because it was the same thing. I'll repair the holes in the roof, replace the broken windows, fix it up like new. David's people will be strong again. Now in the Amplified it says, In that day will I raise up the tabernacle of David, the fallen hut or booth, and close up its breaches. I will raise up its ruins, and I will build it as in the days of old. Now there is a, a wonderful parallel here going on there and going on here. We've had the word of the Lord come for 913. What God wants to do, what, how, what he wants to see happen, what he, how he wants to get that blessing and that grace and that favor on us. But he can't bring that until we do this, until we allow this to be built up in our own lives and corporately as a body together. That will never happen. Uh, the, the 913 will never happen until this happens. Okay? Pastor has been calling us to prepare our hearts for this. Have you heard Pastor calling you to prepare your hearts for this? He's, I can tell you a lot of ways he's done it. He's called for corporate prayer. He's opened up this church for everybody to come together and, and pray over these seats. There has been a call. I'm telling you, nothing happens unless it starts with prayer. Prayer is the foundation of everything. God wants to do this, but you and I have got to do what we got to do. We got to do our part. We've got to answer the call of the man of God. You can say King David. Okay? Same difference. He's the set man in this house. He's the man, this is the man and the woman that God has put in this house to lead this people to 913. And he's called us to some things. He said, come on. This is a year of great expectation. This is a year of moving forward. This is a year of advantaging and advancing. advancing. This is how we're going to do it. He's been given a plan. He's been given a direction. Praise God. He's been calling for us to come together in corporate prayer, to engage like never before. To engage. To engage with what? To engage with God. To engage with who he is and what he is. Like never before. Just like King David was coming into his own and his place. Through all of his preparation. Through all of the time. Even Israel and Judah were being prepared. Did you know they were kind of like two different things then? They weren't together. They weren't in unity. They were separate. Can God do anything with a house that's divided? No, 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 no. He can't do anything with the house divided. He was bringing the people together under King David so he could do something. He's doing the same thing here. He's bringing us together. Will you answer the call? Will you come under what this man and woman of God have mandated for us for this year so that we can experience what God wants to do? Not just in your individual life, but corporately for the community, for the state, for the nation, for the world. You know what? You could set something on fire right here that affect the whole world. The whole world. Let me tell you something. 
Jerusalem ain't no different than us. God set the whole world on fire from Jerusalem. Well, let's let this be Jerusalem. Let's let this be Mount Zion right here. Let's set something on fire here that will affect the whole world. That's what God wants. That's what he's after. Praise the Lord. Just as David was now king over... Now, where we're going to set up, we're going to take up from this place and we're going to start, we're going to read in Chronicles. Now, the last time I ministered, we talked about the tabernacle of Moses went one way and the ark went another way. And God said, I ain't never going back there. Y'all have to get the tape, get the CD and read it. Listen. But he said, I'm done with that. I'm going to find me somebody that will honor me and I'm going to honor him. And when I find it, then I'm going to set things up there with him. And that's what he found. So he moved on from that. The tabernacle of Moses went, they say, maybe to Nob. And then he went to Gibeon in the tribe of Benjamin. It followed Saul. It followed the religion. It followed form. Had a form of godliness, but nothing behind it. The tabernacle of Moses followed that. And the ark went somewhere else. The ark ended up, it went through, through uh, the enemy's camp, traveled through several cities there, I'm not going all back through that, and ended up in Gibeon, which was of the tribe of Judah. I think that's most interesting that the ark decided, hmm, I'm going to sit down in the tribe of praise. <laughs> and I'm going to wait for my people to get ready for me. And I ain't moving from here until they're ready. And he sat down right there in the tribe of praise. That's what Judah means, praise. It careth Jerim. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but that's the way I say it. And he stayed right there in the house of Abinadab. And we're going to pick up from there. Because just as David was now king over all of Judah and Israel. He had been king for seven years of Judah. But now Israel comes and they anoint him king. And he's king over the whole nation. And evidently God was perfectly satisfied to sit down there at Kareth Jim and just wait. While they carried on all of the religious ceremony and practice over there at, the, at Gibeon. Where the tabernacle of Moses was. He decided that I'm going to stay right here. And he was satisfied with that. He was waiting. He was waiting. And for, for a people to get ready. For a king to get ready. And a people to get ready. He was waiting for their hearts to get hungry for God. To get hungry for God. And I want to pick up at 1 Chronicles. I like, there, there's, two ver there's two places that records this. One's in 2 Samuel. And the other one is in 1 Chronicles, but I like the way 1 Chronicles reads better. It really expresses, I think, the mood a little bit better. <clears throat> but David, at this time, like I said, David had come together. And in, in, um, in, in Samuel, where it talked about that, that the ark had been gone for 100 years until all Israel lamented. Which finally, Israel got to the place where, you know, I think that's interesting. That under King Saul, under, under Samuel, in fact, under Samuel, all, you know, Samuel was a wonderful priest, a wonderful, God, God used him. He was blessed. He judged Israel. And then all under his reign and all under Saul's reign, the people were quite content to not even think about God's presence. Wow. Wow. Maybe that's why they were in the mess they were in. 
they, they never thought about God's presence. They never even gave it a second thought. At least it's not recorded. If anybody ever tried to go get the ark and bring it to the tabernacle of Moses, it ain't recorded. And I don't think they ever tried because I don't think that they had a heart after God. They had a heart after their own stuff. They had a heart after their own way. So finally, all of the people lamented after the ark. Under David, David's heart was, I got to go get the ark. He said, um, where is it? thought I had that wrote down. Anyway, one of the scriptures, okay. I wanna, I'll read the first verse of chapter 15. David made for himself houses in the city of David, and he prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent for it. You can tell God's, David's desire. He was thinking about God's presence. He was thinking about the ark. His mind was there. He's, he said in one place, but, but God, you know, I, I want you with me. That's what he was saying. I want, I want God with me. I don't want God over there. I want God with me. I want God right here where I can see him and I can feel him and have him here with me. The longing of God's heart, can you, of, of David's heart, he had, he had the passion for the presence of God like nobody had ever had before. Nobody had ever had that kind of passion for the presence of God. And he said, let's go get it. Let's go get the ark. He was excited. He was a man after the presence of God. So in the, I'm going to probably read the whole chapter of 13. Now, we're, we're this, if you wanted to title this, I guess you could say the road to his presence. This begins the road to the presence of God. The actual road to the presence of God. And this is probably going to be a two-parter, this part of it. <clears throat> so we'll read in verse 1. I'm going to read out the Amplified. David consulted the captains of thousands and hundreds, even with every leader. And David said to all the assembly of Israel, If it seems good to you, and if it is of the Lord our God, let us send abroad everywhere to our brethren who are left in all the land of Israel and with them to the priests and the Levites in their cities, excuse me, that have suburbs and pasture lands, that they may gather together with us. And let us bring again the ark of God, our God, to us. For we did not seek it during the days of Saul. We weren't even, it was the farthest thing from our mind. We didn't even have a notion about God's presence and his ark. And all the assembly agreed to do so, for the thing seemed right in the eyes of the people. Now I'm telling you what, now that's a miracle right there in itself. Everybody got in one accord. Everybody said, that's a good idea. Everybody. There was a lot of leaders. You know, I can remember back many times in Moses' day when the leaders just bucked up against everything he wanted to do. It's very much of a testimony to the man David was that the leader said, yeah, hmm, that's not a good idea to me. Let's go get him. <clears throat> so David gathered all Israel together from the Shahor, the brook of Egypt that marked the southeast border of Palestine to the entrance of Hemath to bring the ark of God from Kirith-Jerim. Remember, it had been there in the house of Abinadab for, you know, the, 
earlier in the Amplified, it said almost 100 years it had been. Okay? Long time it had been away. Which belonged to Judah to bring, up, to bring up from there the ark of God the Lord, which is called by the name of him who sits enthroned above the cherub. I love that. And they carried the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab and Uzzah. And Ohio, his brother, drove the cart. And David and all Israel merrily celebrated before God with all their might, with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and cymbals and trumpets. And when they came to the threshing floor of Chidon, or uh, Nashon, another place says, Uzzah put out his hand to steady the ark, for the oxen that were drawing the cart stumbled and were restive. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah. And he smote him because he touched the ark, and there he died before God. And David was offended because the Lord had broken forth upon Uzzah. That place to this day is called Perez Uzzah, the breaking forth upon Uzzah. And David was afraid of God that day. And he said, how can I bring the ark of God home to me? So David did not bring the ark home to the city of David, but carried it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, a Levitical porter born in Gath-Rimon. And the ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house three months. And the Lord blessed the house of Edom and all that he had. The things that strike me when I read this is that, first of all, David, it doesn't say David talked with God in the beginning of this chapter. It said, David consulted with the captains of thousands and hundreds, even with every leader. And David said to all the assembly, if it seems good to you and if it is of the Lord our God, let us send abroad, get everybody together, and let's go get the ark. Now, God was in agreement with come and get me. How do I know that? Because they'd have never got it out of the house of Benadab if God hadn't been in agreement with come and get me. They would have never gotten it from the house to the new ark and the, the new cart in the first place. God was in agreement with come get me. But how many of y'all know there's a way to come get me? How many of y'all know there's a way and an order and a purpose and a plan to everything God does? You can't just la di da di da di da anything about God. God. David's heart was in the right place. David's heart was after the presence of God. David's heart was, I want you to be with me, and I want to be with you, and I don't want to be there any separation between us. And God wants that too. God wants that too. But he says, you've got to prepare. You can't just come up to me any old way. You just can't come up with any old thing in your mind. Any old way, any old way you want to do it, you better get with me. You better talk to me. You better find out how I want you to do something. So here they go. They go and get God. They set him on a new cart. Now I think it's kind of funny that they set him on a new cart. Maybe it was because the Philistines had done that. Huh? Feeling like a pretty good idea to me. They did it. Nothing happened to them. They set the ark of God, up on a new cart and, haul, and you know, send it over here to us. Hmm, that's a pretty good idea. After all, that ark is mighty heavy. That thing is 
four feet long, two and, a half inch, two and a half feet deep, two and a half feet wide, laden on the outside and the inside with gold. The cherub, the two cherubs that sit above it, complete gold, beaten gold into place. Them staves that were in those rings, gold, it was gopher wood to begin with, heavy, dense wood. And the poles, the, the staves that were in the rings were gopher wood with, laden with gold. The rings were solid gold. I mean, that booger was heavy. That was a heavy box. How many of you know the weight, the heaviness of God's presence? It's a weighty thing. It's not something to be handled lightly. It's a weighty thing. You've you got to reverence the presence of God. You can't come into God lackadaisical, la di da skipped my loo. His presence is a weighty thing. It's to be respected and revered and honored above all the presence of God. But they thought, well, you know, it was good enough for the Philistines. Let's, let's build a new cart. They did it. Let's do it. Let's build a new cart. And you know what? God will put up with our silliness for a while. They say Kerajim is about 20 miles from Jerusalem. So it's about a 20-mile trek, give or take a little bit, from Kerajim all the way up to Zion, all the way up to Jerusalem. So it's pretty far ways to carry, you know, an ark like this. I don't know how much it weighed, but it was pretty heavy. And um, so it seemed like a good idea to carry the presence of God on a new cart. Sometimes, you, um, let me see. No, I want to go there. You know, God, God so desires but sometimes he'll put up with our silliness. Sometimes he'll put up with our, our own ways of doing things, thinking that we're doing it the right way because God's heart is to be smack dab in the middle of his people. That's his heart. His heart is to be right in the midst of you and I. He put up with stuff for a little while because it's so much his heart. He so much longs to be with me and you. He did everything within his power to make that happen. He wants it so bad that he'll put up with some stuff sometimes. But one thing about the Philistines and the new cart was they didn't have a covenant. They weren't people of covenant with God. You and I, the Israelites, people of covenant. And God expects us to honor that covenant. We're in covenant together. And he says, you got to do it my way. You got to come in to the right, in right and line up with me. You can't just do it like everybody else. You are under the blood covenant. You've got to approach me the right way. You've got to prepare yourself. You've got to be a prepared people. <clears throat> you can see they're all happy. They're having a good time. I mean, the priests are all there. 
Everybody's all there having a happy time. We got the ark, and we're on our way to Jerusalem. We're on our way, and we're having a good time. We're blowing the trumpets. We're playing the music. We're, we're singing the songs. We're happy. We, we're shouting. We're dancing. Woo! It's a good time. Hallelujah. Whoop! Bump in the road, and somebody's dead. Bump in the road, and something happening. We didn't, we didn't expect that, God. What? That's Uzzah. He's been with me for a while. I've had him with me. He's been like one of my guys, one of my boys. David was offended. His heart was hurt. You know, how many times do we, you and I, pastor's been talking about this. Pastor Sandy's been really talking about this. We spend our weeks doing our own thing, having our own little parties, watching, doing, being, we never open this. We never prepare ourselves with anything of God. Maybe not you, but this is all part of being prepared. We're, we're talking about this is a type and a shadow of what we're, what's going on here. Amen. You and I can't come into this place. We can't do it individually in our lives, and we can't come into this place corporately unless we are prepared people. Prepared for the presence of God. We can't go through our weeks and our days doing our own thing 24-7, never opening the Word of God. You know what? Uh, not, not too many hundred years ago, this wasn't available. Not too many hundred years ago. I mean, you don't have to go back far to find that the Word of God was very limited. Just a very few select people had this at their fingertips. You and I can pick up our little electronic stuff, and buddy, we got every translation there ever is on that booger. Woo, you can find anything you want to find, ever how you want it to say it, right there. I mean, the Word of God is so available to us, and we'd rather do something else. We'd rather read the newspaper. We'd rather read, you know, the magazines. We'd rather read the best-selling novel just come off hot off the press. Instead of pick this up, and spend some time with God. And we expect to come in here and he's going to sit down on our presence. We ain't got nothing to offer him. We ain't got nothing for him to sit down on. We, we go and, and Saturday night, we know we're coming in here Sunday morning. Saturday night we'll stay out to dark 30. We'll stay out to 12, you know, 11, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. And we come in here and we sit down and we just... I just can't hardly stay awake. Whoo, Pastor, you got, to, you got to get busy. I mean, you got to, you got to, whoo, you got to fire me up because I can't stay awake. How is God supposed to work with that? Tell me. When you can't even stay awake. You know, I'm not trying to point my fingers at you. I'm trying to create in you something, a desire. For the presence of God and preparing yourself 
So you have something to offer God when you come in this place. You have an ability to draw the presence of God because you've spent some time with him during the week. You've spent some time, intimate time with him. You've prepared yourself. You're not coming in here on a new cart. Sliding in here on a new cart, your own way of doing things. La-di-da, skip to my loo. You've come, you've had, you've had some time with the living God. You've been in prayer like pastor's been saying. You've been coming into this place. If you can't come during the week, well, you come a little bit early when, when you do come. And you spend some time praying. You spend some time at home praying. You've prepared yourself. And you come in here and you've got something to offer God. You don't come in here just any old way. And I'm going to speak to my praise team that's here tonight. You don't come in here and grab these instruments and start playing for God when you ain't giving Him a thought all week long and expect God to come down and anoint you and be with you and sit down on your gifts and talents when you haven't given Him any of your time during the week. We can't keep doing things our way. God is saying, prepare yourself. Prepare yourself. I'm, and look, I'm not telling you to never turn on the TV. And I'm not telling you to never pick up a good book and read it. But what I'm telling you is what are you spending most of your time with? Is that the first thing you do in the morning when you turn on the TV? To hear what all the bad news is and then to get them to tell you with a weather report? Well, let me tell you something. All you got to do is go look outside and it's about as good as what they say on that dadgum weather report. Half the time, they don't got it right. So what you worried about what they say? Don't be, you know, there is, be intentional. Be intentional about you being a prepared place. You being a prepared person. So that when you come in here, we come in here as a body. We've prepared ourselves. We don't come in here with some new cart. We come in here the way God has asked us to come in here. With a heart that's desired and on fire, passionate about God in His presence, wanting Him to come meet us in this place. Sit down on us. Sit in here right in the middle of us. Because I'm going to tell you something. God doesn't come for the Word. He is the Word. But God comes from your praise. God comes for your worship. He don't come to hear the word. He is the word. He's heard it all. He is. He is what's being spoken. He is what's being taught. He is what's being read. He comes because you draw him by the passion of your worship. The passion of your desire to have him with you. Hallelujah. That's what draws him. That's what he comes for. Praise the Lord. We must be after the same. We've got to be after that. That's what we've got to be about. That was the miracle of the tabernacle of David. The miracle of tabernacle of David was his passionate desire for the presence of God. And he wasn't about to get up until he had it. He wasn't about to stop. He wasn't going to give up until the presence was there. He might have had a little setback. And there have been some times when we've had a few setbacks here. There's been some times when we've had a few bumps in the road. 
The winds are blowing. The winds of God's glory is blowing in this place. I'm telling you something else right now. There, ain't, there is no accident that God renamed these churches Passion Church. Amen. There is no accident. That's right. That's right. It's no happenstance. Because it's a passion. God's creating in this place a passion for His presence. A passion for the glory to sit right down in this place. A passion for God's presence to sit and hover so that things can happen and change. Not only in our lives, but the lives of every person that darkens these doors. People drive by. Woo, their cars are going to go. What in the world is my car doing this for? Because it's the Shekinah glory that's drawing them here. What did the word say? If I be lifted up, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. How do we lift him up? By a desire for passion and praise for God in his presence to sit down with him. That's how we draw. That's how you lift him up. You lift him up in, in every day of your life. Not just what you do in here. But what you do out there will bring it in here. If you don't do it out there, it ain't coming in here. It didn't come until the people got united under David. And then as we're going to see next Wednesday, when David searched the heart of God. He searched the heart of God and found out, well, huh, I got I to gotta find out what, what, what's the way to do it. You can, you can hear, you can hear it in God, in David's voice in verse 12 of chapter 13, 1 Chronicles, when he says, how can I bring the ark of God to me? Can you hear the cry of his heart? Can you hear the passion in his heart? I, I, I can just hear it as almost like a, he can't hardly catch his breath. How, how do I, how do I get it? How do I bring it to me? I got to find out. I got, I got, I don't know how. I don't, this ain't the way to do it. This ain't the way. I thought it was, but it's not the way. I got to figure it out. And I believe for the next three months, he spent time figuring it out. He spent time. He, but he got to leave. I'm getting on to next week. Anyway, he got them together and he figured it out. And I'm going to challenge all of you. You should have been doing this already. If you haven't been. Because our pastors have been, have been challenging and challenging and challenging all of us. Double it up. Triple it up. Get busy. This is a year of expect, great expectations, right? This is a year. If you, how, how many of y'all know that if you keep doing the same thing you've always done, you'll always have the thing you've always had? So if you want Amos 9.13, if you want the double year, if you want the Shemika, super Shemika year, the blessing of God in your life, the grace and the favor, you've got to get up and do more than what you've ever done before. Thank you, Lord. We've got to prepare ourselves, prepare our lives, prepare our hearts so that we can house the presence of God. Because he ain't coming in if it ain't prepared. You might be like the lover of, in Solomon, in the, in the Song of Solomon, where she touched the handle. 
and it was wet with myrrh from where her lover had been but was no more. I don't know about you, but I don't want that. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be like the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the scribes who were in the temple looking for the Messiah. And he said, I'm here. You've missed your day of visitation. You've missed it. I'm telling you what, people, this is, this is an important day. This time right now. The call is important. I, I don't want to miss. I don't want to miss it. I want to be right smack dab in the middle of it. I want to be a part of it. I want to be a part of that procession that, that, that brought the ark into and set it in David's tabernacle on Mount Zion. I want to be a part of that. I want to be in on it. I don't want to be on the outside looking in. So I'm challenging you, along with our pastors, prepare yourself. Don't come in here unprepared, tired, full of all kinds of other stuff going on in your life and in your heart. Not that God is not interested in those things. I'm not saying that God doesn't love you and he's not concerned about where you are. But we cannot come in here lackadaisical and cavalierly and handle the presence of God. It won't work. It never has worked, and it won't work now. So let's, let's, let's spend some time in the Word. Let's spend more time in the Word. Let's spend more time in prayer. Let's spend more time in intimacy with the Father so that we can prepare Him a place to sit. We can prepare him a place to dwell individually and corporately so we can experience all that God has in store for us. Not just for us, but for every person that we'll touch. Every person that this Passion Church will touch. I hope that you will take some time and you will, you will do what I've challenged you to do. And we're going to talk about the second part of this journey to Zion, and then beyond that, what happens when we get to Zion. But, you know, God never, one thing I want you to remember, and I told you this back in the beginning, um, that he never takes us from something he has blessed unless he's taking us into the next phase, the new place, the next place of blessing, the next place. And I want to go there. I want to go there. Do you want to go there? Come go with us. Don't be left behind. Don't be left behind. Don't be left in what always worked. You know, we get hung up on that. You're going to get hung up on, on the same thing the people that were at the tabernacle of Moses got hung up on without the presence of God. The ritual of everything. I don't want that. I want his Shekinah glory. I want to dwell and live and have it with me and me with it. Hallelujah. Nothing between me and him. Praise the Lord. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.